Hey guys, welcome to the next chapter. I'm Prim Saripapat. For everyone at home, hang in there. I know things are really difficult right now, but you're doing good work. Hopefully today's combo will be a source of insight or inspiration and also entertainment. And speaking of all of those things, uh, especially entertainment, joining us today, very special guest, Pat Connaughton, player and key piece for the Milwaukee Bucks. Also somebody who put on a pretty stellar performance at this year's slam dunk contest. Pat, how are you doing and what are you doing to ensure you don't lose that touch? Do you have a mini hoop or maybe a Nerf ball at home? Uh, thanks for having me first and foremost, <laughs> but, uh, no, unfortunately, I, I don't. I'm in an apartment, so I don't uh, have uh, any access to a hoop. But um, I have access to some strength and conditioning stuff, some weights, some things that um, you know helped me get that bounce, if you will, before the dunk contest, and hopefully will help me keep it uh, for when the NBA season does come back. Yeah. How hard was it to see this season come to a screeching halt, especially when you're in the midst of a season where you guys, the Bucks, were in position to not only go deep into the playoffs, but maybe bring a title back to the city for the first time in 50 years? Yeah, I mean, it's difficult. Uh, you know, obviously, when you're playing as well as we were, we wanted things to continue. You know, we wanted to um, finish what we started, if you will. And we still have hope that we will uh, be able to do that uh, one way or the other. Uh, but to the same degree, I think, you know, us as a team, us as an organization believe that, you know, we're building for more than just one year. So uh, while this year, obviously, like I said, was great and has been great and hopefully will continue to be great. And hopefully we can get back to playing and, and trying to finish what we started. Uh, we think that we can be in the same place, you know, next year and the year after and so on and so forth in order to try to, um, you know, continue to build this franchise and organization to the place that we think it can be. Yeah. Have you been able to maintain any sense of normalcy or have there been bits where this has been pretty challenging for you? Uh, I'd say overall, it's been not necessarily challenging, but it's it's been weird from time to time. Um, I'd say the weirdest thing is just like the other day when, or last yesterday when I was putting on the uh, last dance or watching the last dance, the MJ stuff, um, I realized I hadn't turned on cable television in four weeks, five weeks, because the only time I use cable is to watch sports and live events like that. Like I've used my Apple TV or Hulu or, you know, Netflix or HBO Go, whatever it is to watch the shows that I watch. So that's um, interesting that's because been- most people are watching the local news right now to just try to stay up to date with everything. So that's interesting that you haven't been doing that. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I get a decent amount of news from Twitter and stuff. So I, I do try to keep up, up on current events. But to the same token, I think. Um, you know, with everything that's going on, it's, it's hard to know what's accurate, what's not, um, and things of that nature. So, uh, I try to take it all with a grain of salt and, and try to do my part to make sure, um, I'm doing things to keep me and, and those closest to me healthy and, um, you know, trying to be as normal, uh, as I can, uh, for my day-to-day schedule and try to get the workouts in, in the morning and find, you know, things to fine tune from my business life in the afternoon and, and then watch a show at night. Does this feel like a dry run for retirement? Are, are you able to see a lot of the par- parallels between this very long layoff and, and the inevitable end for what would come for many athletes? Uh, I think so. I mean, I can't necessarily compare them and hopefully can't compare them for a while uh, yeah. as far as what when retirement does loom. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's actually something I tweeted the other day or at the beginning of this whole thing is, you know, I hope other athletes are taking the time to use the silver lining in this, see what 
things interest them outside of sports and, uh, you know, what their day-to-day schedules are going to be when uh, sports are over. Because at the end of the day, you know, Father Prime is undefeated. You know, someday the ball is going to start bouncing. Your sports career is going to be over. You're going to have to retire. And uh, when that day comes, I hope guys use not just this time, but off seasons and times during their playing career to get involved in stuff that they believe they might be passionate about, to get involved in things that may help their financial stability later on in life and help continue to bring an income in and, um, you know, do things that are outside of sports to broaden their horizons so that, you know, when your career does end, the hopeful 30, 40, 50 years left of your life, you're doing things that you enjoy just as much. I find it so interesting that you're able to maintain that larger perspective that, that life continues and will have to continue beyond sport for somebody who really has a lot of potential and opportunity as a professional athlete. If things don't work out in basketball, you also have the option to potentially be a major league baseball pitcher, um, which is pretty unbelievable. So where were you able to develop that insight and, and be able to know that doing something beyond sport is just as important? Uh, I'd say a mixture of two places. I think it started with, you know, my mom and my parents. Uh, they were big when I was growing up of making sure I didn't put all my eggs in one basket, if you will. Uh, you know, I wanted to be playing sports 24 seven. They obviously made sure that homework had to get done first. And then they encouraged me or lightly forced me into, uh, you know, playing instruments and doing things that, you know, I may not have wanted to do at the time because it was taking away from sport practice. But uh, (laughs) there were things that kind of saw helped me see the bigger picture and that there are other things to life. And then, you know, Notre Dame would be the other place. I mean, there when they were recruiting me, you know, the slogan they use is it's a four year decision, but it'll have an impact, uh, you know, on 40 years of your life. And I think every student athlete that goes there sees that after. And after mm. they're done playing at Notre Dame and um, their big message was, you know, sports are important, but regardless of if you go pro or if you don't, there is going to be a life after sports. And how are you preparing for it? How are you just starting to think about it? And I think in college, that's when I started to think about it. And that's hmm. what got me involved into you know, real estate, or at least tried to learn about it. My dad was a general contractor, so it fit organically. And then um, from there, and I was fortunate enough, obviously, like you said, to be drafted in baseball my junior year and then be drafted in basketball after my senior year. And I had this source of income and I learned business at the undergrad business school at Notre Dame. And it was, what am I going to do with that income to try to set myself up for later on? Because I was a second round pick. Nothing was guaranteed that I was going to play in the NBA for the five years I have so far, let alone 10 more or whatever it ends up being. So um, what were the things I was doing immediately to try to make sure it positively affected me later on? And I think that's where sometimes the disconnect can be with athletes is you think your career is going to last forever. And hopefully it does, but hopefully at least last 10, 15, whatever the amount of years you want it to last. But the things that you do at the beginning of your career, the things that you do while you're playing uh, and the earlier you start to do them will have a major impact uh, later on. I find that so interesting that that you were able to realize that in college, because a lot of times if you talk to student athletes, especially ones that go to premier programs, they will say athlete first and student second. So it's really interesting that you that going to Notre Dame helped you realize that you need to start planning for your future, because it's not always the case for student athletes. No, you're right. And I think honestly, I think playing two sports helped me with that. Like I I knew um, I had to manage my time wisely. You know, there were times where my friends are going out and I wasn't able to because I had to go uh, meet up with the baseball coach and work on my pitching. Um, 
it was late at night or early in the morning during basketball seasons because I wanted to make sure I was ready when baseball season came about. But I wanted to make sure I was doing it in a way that wasn't obviously interfering with the basketball season that was going on. Right. So that time management with the two sports uh, on top of obviously the schoolwork that Notre Dame requires uh, kind of helped me broaden my thinking of, mm-hmm. hey, if I am fortunate to be a professional athlete someday, you know, what else am I doing? I've been playing two sports my whole life. Um, obviously playing in the NBA the last five years, so I haven't been playing baseball. So with that extra time that I've had, uh, I wanted to make sure in college, I was setting my mind up to think what else uh, so that I could put some time and energy towards that on plane rides and on different stuff that, uh, you know, where we have time throughout the NBA season. Yeah, that's a really good point about managing your time. And a huge part of managing your time is using some downtime to start bettering yourself in other areas. And I have a feeling you're using this downtime to do a lot of other things. In fact, I know you are. So I know you have your real estate development firm with your father, and you've been doing this for a number of years, it sounds like, right? Yeah. So I started it, uh, honestly, right when I got drafted in baseball, I was fortunate enough I got to, you know, keep my signing bonus because when I went back to school, I just went back for basketball. I didn't play baseball that next year. So, um, we did a a house that summer. Uh, we flipped the house and and renovated. I lived in my senior year. Um, he sold it after my senior year and he made a little money on it. We made a little money on it. And so I kind of saw how the process worked on a very small scale. Uh, so my first two years in the NBA, I did two, two houses. Um, uh, and I lived in one while I was in Portland. I sold the other one and, Uh, I saw how it worked. I saw how the finances behind it worked. I saw how the construction and the development behind it worked. And then I started to, during that time, I started to kind of look at it like that's what my dad's job was growing Mm. up. He was a general contractor. He did luxury homes. He flipped houses. He did things like that, which um, was how we provided for, you know, my family. Um, But I kind of looked at it like I'm in a unique position. Um, being a professional athlete, my income comes from somewhere else. It doesn't come directly from these house flippings, if you will. Mm-hmm. So, uh, is there a way that I should be doing this smarter, if you will? And I think, uh, I tried to network with people that are involved in real estate. I, I know obviously some of the most wealthy people in the world are involved in real estate. And why is that? Like, what are the advantages to that? Why is that the constant, um, uh, factor that I always see? So I tried to reach out to them and a lot of Notre Dame alums are in real estate and, uh, that community in Notre Dame has, they, they took my calls and I got into the rooms with them and I realized, you know, it's not just about flipping houses. You can really start to create some generational wealth if you start doing things differently. And so, uh, I took a lot of time in between my second and third year and looked into that, you know, cash flowing properties, multifamily apartment buildings, mixed use buildings, different types of real estate that I could get involved in and I could learn about and I could learn how they run, operate and why they're so beneficial. Um, and that's kind of where I've put my time and energy forth for the last few years. And, uh, we've done six projects in the last, uh, two years. And, um, some of them are still going on right now. And, uh, you know, I've taken this time to kind of look at that and be like, how do I grow it from here? You know, how do I take the next step? Uh, and that's what I've utilized this time for. So how how is the pandemic of affecting your business right now? Because it's it's having a tremendous impact on all industries, and in fact, cro- causing a collapse in some industries. But how is it impacting what you're doing right now? Uh, you know, I, I'm actually fortunate. The the projects that we're doing right now are under development, so um, the rents or the businesses that would be in them aren't in them yet because the mm. buildings aren't finished being built. Uh, 
So in a weird way, you know, it, it hasn't affected me too much now. Granted, That's good. Um, most of those projects have, have stopped being developed at the moment in time. Um, so the time of it isn't beneficial. Like you want them to get developed. One of the things in real estate obviously is time, um, you know, is a big factor. So while I want them to continue to be developed, I also want to make sure we're doing things that are safest for everybody else. But, sure. um, you know, that's probably been the only effect that I've seen so far, but I know obviously it's having a major effect on a bunch of other people, a bunch of other yeah. businesses. So, you know, my hope is that, um, you know, with safety regulations being at the highest, uh, we can get back to it as soon as possible for those people to be able to start to, you know, continue to provide for their families. Yeah, that's good to hear. Um, you know, in your your previous answer, you mentioned about general weight, generational wealth and making your money last not only a lifetime, but for your kids and your kids' kids. And yep. that's what all these athletes are trying to do. And I know you've been serving as a guest teacher, not only for your high school, but for your alma mater as well. And yep. um, so what has been your message to the students that you're you've been talking to? Uh, so they've been kind of twofold. Uh, the ones I've talked to for Notre Dame were graduate entrepreneurship, and it was about the the business and the creation of uh, a business while I'm, you know, playing a pro sport, that side hustle, if you will. And how do you build that um, while you're focused on something else? And uh, that was really cool because obviously it's what I'm living. Um, but Notre Dame students are really smart. So they had some valuable insight, asked some valuable questions and um, kind of helped me as much as hopefully I helped them. Mm. Uh, for my high school, it was about, um, you know, more about kind of what I do with my foundation. And that's the goal of the foundation is to get kids involved in the sports and kind of teach them those translatable skills, right? Um, leadership, hard work, um, teamwork, those things that translate to other areas besides just on the playing surface. So uh, the conversation for them was more about how are you utilizing this time wisely? Uh, because, you know, life will go back to normal at some point in time. And um, the things that you do now will help set you up for then. And, you know, are you sitting there playing Fortnite or Call of Duty all day? Or are you finding ways to work out? Are you finding ways to learn? Are you finding ways to, you know, learn about things you're interested in that aren't just athletics and um, what is, what are you doing during this time? And I think that's, was the biggest message for, for the high school kid. That's great. I'm glad you're having those conversations because I feel like a lot of, particularly high school athletes, a lot of them I know um, are sitting at home and spinning their wheels a little bit. I know there's been just kind of a spike of uncertainty for them. Also, maybe some issues with anxiety and some other you know things. So I think it's been really tough for high schoolers, especially, you know, there's no graduation, there's no prom for some of them. I feel bad oh. for a lot. My niece, I don't even know if she's going to get to go to her senior prom or have her graduation, which is so sad. But yeah, I'm glad you're for getting sure. involved and in, in doing all those things. Well, you know, it's been uncomfortable for everybody. So we try to make it a little fun. And we've been getting up and close and personal with everybody. So I think it's time for a little quarantine cribs. Are you ready, Pat? I'm ready. Okay, so can you please show it? Where's your comfort spot? in your place during times like this? Do you have one? Uh, yeah, mine is probably sitting on this this couch right here. Looks like uh, a very comfortable couch, very soft and plush. Comfortable couch with a nice little view of the lake. Oh my um, gosh, here, that's so beautiful. Cool. Yep, and then I got, um, ironically enough, I got uh, Giannis bobblehead next to a Pat <laughs> bobblehead next to a dunk contest photo. So that's, great. that's another reason why it's a great spot. <laughs> Uh, do you have a comfort food that you like to snack on? 
Yeah, right next to where we were doing the interview, there's some Kit Kats. Yes, I love it. And you have it out in a nice little glass, so it's available to you at all times. I love it. Absolutely. Absolutely. What do you have while you're up and running? What What do you have in your fridge right now, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, right now, um, I have... Are you a big a cook? Of, uh, not personally, but got some fruit, some orange juice, some strawberry milk, nice. um, some eggs up there, um, some chicken strips right there. Uh, double stuffed Oreos are always key for me. Oh, uh, I'll give you an applause for that say, one. I can't say that I'm probably being the biggest health advocate to everybody that's watching. <laughs> Kit Kats and Oreos. Uh, oh, you're good. Me. You're being all right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're six five. If you have a couple Kit Kats, it's just all going to stretch out. For me, five two, it's going to go somewhere. You're going to see it. So I think you're good. <laughs> I appreciate. How about our nutritionist, please? Next time you speak. To me. <laughs> um, do you do you have any sort of like fun activity that you like to do while you're at home? Um, you know, it, you, you talked about not having a hoop at home. So if I may, I would like to encourage you to check out this Smart Shots Sports Center. Uh so we have this for our little guy, and you know we're trying to teach him how to dunk. Uh, he doesn't really get the whole concept of dunking. He just like puts it in there lightly. So, do you have anything like that at home at your place? Uh, so I don't personally. One of uh, uh, my best friends, who I live with, um, who works on the real estate stuff with me, um, has a little one of those little hoops on the back of his door. Yeah. So occasionally we have contests uh, shooting from the other side of the room or whatever. It's a little bit difficult from the ceiling standpoint. <laughs> Uh, but overall, uh, you know, uh, it at least provides some entertainment. I've been trying to get one of those, uh, golf putters, uh, to work yeah. on my golf game since it's in severe need of that. Uh, and I can do that <laughs> inside. And, uh, other than that, yeah, that's kind of, that's been it. I actually, me and, uh, my buddy, we have uh, Nerf guns that we have Nerf wars with sometimes. Oh, so I was kind of I, w I mentioned that at the beginning of the interview. I had a feeling you might have some sort of Nerf situation. That's the only yeah. thing that you can really do in the house. Okay, yeah, that's, good. that's really it, and, and and try not to break things. Like <laughs> yeah, bobble, exactly. Like, like bobbleheads. <laughs> um, do you have any advice for everybody out there about how to stay sane during times like this? Yeah, I mean, for for me personally, what I do is, you know, I just I find ways to work out in, in different ways. You know, obviously, we're fortunate as NBA players, you know, we have state of the art facilities, but we're not allowed to be able to go in them right now. So kind of back to the old days when I was in sixth, seventh grade, where <laughs> I, told, I told my dad I wanted to dunk and, you know, I wasn't quite old enough to lift weights. So I ran up hills or I got a weight vest and I jumped up and down on this ledge in my backyard or I did push ups, sit ups. Uh, pull-ups, yep. things that I could do within my house or outside that's right near my house, backyard, whatever. Uh, but things that, you know, were exhausting, were tiring, but were helping, you know, better me uh, as a, uh, you know, player and as an athlete and things like that. And that's kind of helped me stay sane because if I do that in the morning, you know, I can sit on that couch or sit up at my desk and, and do the business stuff without feeling like I haven't done anything um, yet in that day. Or eat your Kit Kats. And then you won't exactly. feel guilty. So when I yeah. eat the Kit Kats, they're already being burnt off. I hear you. I totally hear <laughs> you. <laughs> uh, last question. Who would like? Who would you like to tag next to be interviewed on this show? Do you have anybody uh, in mind? Yeah. Well, one of my good buddies who's uh, uh, who we've actually been talking quite a bit about life away from basketball, real estate, a whole bunch of stuff, uh, CJ McCollum. Uh, yeah. He used, he used to be my teammate out in Portland. Uh, still one of my uh, good friends today. Uh, and, uh, I think he would be great for this show. 
Yeah, I think so. Uh, you and I were talking a little bit beforehand. I'm not going to lie. I, I will admit to the audience, I did pressure you a little bit to mention CJ, um, but I've been trying to get him on this show. And he and I have been going back and forth on social media. He mentioned that he used to work for Abercrombie and Fitch, which doesn't surprise me. He 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 kind of looks like an Abercrombie and Fitch kind of guy in high school. You know, he looks like one of those cool dudes. So I'll, yeah, it'll I'm be not, fine. I'm not. I'm not going to comment on that uh, <laughs> I'll, because I'll, I'll hear about it later from him. But uh, let's just say, uh, while I didn't know he was an Abercrombie and Fitch model at some point in time growing up or worked there, uh, I will be asking that question to him offline. Yeah, I don't. Did I say model? I don't think I said model. Did I say model or? I'm just I'm just picturing what would CJ be doing at Abercrombie and Fitch store. I'm picturing him outside without a shirt on, modeling to get try to get people inside. Ah, uh, I love don't tell it. Him, don't tell him I said that. I won't. I won't. I'm just going to share this with my 30,000 Twitter followers. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what he has to say. It'll be just be between you fun. and me and 30,000 people. <laughs> Yeah, it's all in good fun. (laughs) All right, Pat. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Stay safe. Good luck whenever the season uh, returns. We'll We'll all be watching you. Sounds good. Thanks for having me.